Good morning, church. Again, how are we doing? You're doing good, aren't you, buddy? This is Lisa Miller, and uh, I came here 10 years ago as the worship pastor, but she went off. And, uh, and I came here 10 years ago as the worship pastor. Let's go over here where they can see us. Come over here. I want to point this out because this is a really an important thing right here. I came here 10 years ago. She was singing in the praise team. I came in here on a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, and we, we met up here at the altar, and we all prayed for God to lead us in the next chapter of what we were going to do musically. And I remember talking to her, and I remember her singing the first night, and she was going like this. She was so nervous, her hand was shaking. If it had been water, it had been all over the floor. <laughs> it's been 10 years, and we got her to where she's about like this now. You know what I mean? But here's what I want to tell you. She taught this young man, by example, how to serve the Lord. And that's what we saw today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Well, if you're a guest today, we're so glad that you're here, and uh, we hope that you've been made to feel welcome at our church as, as you visit with us today. In 1930s, there was a ship that was built. This thing was huge. It was a big ship. It was, it was an ocean liner, and it had all the things that were currently available at the time. It took a lot of time to build this ship. There were several setbacks. Some of you have read about it and heard about it. It was called the Queen Mary. Isn't that cool? Look at that. Now, you've got to remember the time. This is in the 30s. This is kind of a, a, a new thing that's happening. And, and this ship, as you look at this, you see those smokestacks up there. And you see steam coming out of those smokestacks. You know what that means? There's something happening on that ship. Something's happening and it's moving. And those smokestacks represented something was happening, that there was power in that ship. Well, when the time came to retire this ship, they decided they were going to take it up to Long Beach, California. And they were going to make a, a, a place you could visit, right? You probably visited. Some of you, some of you visited. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, here's a really cool story behind this. So they take this boat, this ship up there, and they, and they go, to, uh, and they go to, to set it up to be a, a tourist attraction. So they bring these cranes in, and these cranes reach over, and they grab those smokestacks. And as they pick them up, this three-quarter-inch steel these were made out of. And you've got to remember, this thing weathered through the storms of the ocean. And as they picked these things up and they brought them around to set them down, they crumbled to the ground. And what had happened was, over time, the three-quarter-inch steel was no longer there. It was actually 30 coats of paint was all that was left. No steel, just paint. And you see, today's church that we're going to look at today is a lot like this situation here. No steel, just paint. And so we're going to investigate this church. It's the Church of Sardis. I want you to watch this with me as we read along. We're reading out of the book of Revelation. And uh, can you pull that up for me there? It's in the uh, third chapter. We're going to read six verses. Watch this. Read along with me. Oh, yeah, by the way, notice it's red because you know what that means. It's Jesus talking. Watch this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains. For even what is left is almost dead. And I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Notice what he says. Go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to that firmly. And here's that word we've been seeing over and over the last few weeks. Repent and turn to me again. And if you don't wake up, I'll come to you suddenly as an unexpected, as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. I love this part. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. 
All who, hear, who, all who are victorious will be clothed in white, and I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. And then the last verse says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Pray with me. Father, we are grateful for this day, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of life. And I thank you, God, that we're able to gather in this place today. I pray your blessings upon the words that I speak. But most of all, Lord, I pray that you give me the gift of preaching. And I pray, Lord, that as we come into this place, we'll be open to hear what the Holy Spirit says. Father, this isn't about me. It's about you. And I pray, God, that you're glorified in all that's said and done. And when we leave this place, I pray, Lord, that we take what you've taught us and what we've learned and we take it into the world. We ask all of it in Jesus' name, and everybody together said, amen. Talked about this ship. This church that we just read about had a similar issue. We've been talking about, there's seven churches in the first part of Revelation, and we've been talking about those. This church at Sardis had a similar situation. They looked good on the outside, but they were dead. Their strength was gone. The church that we just read about had carefully crafted their image but their vital relationship with Jesus was gone. And that's why he's talking about this. Now, to get the backdrop of this, and we don't hear this in the Bible, but here's the deal. Sarda was a city, and it was built on this area that had these mountain range around it, and you couldn't get to it. And so nobody could overthrow this city. As the churches that we've read in the past, some of them were, were, were into, you know, they were studying pagan things. They were pagan worship. There was some of that going on here. But this deal was, this city, it was in, people couldn't get to them. So they were up on top of this mountain, and they built this place, and they thought they were untouchable. And they became what we call, you know, just kind of happy and just go lucky, and everything was cool. They were the first ones to mint gold. This society was a developed society. And so as the surrounding empires came on the scene, they came up from Assyria, and they said, we want to overthrow them, but we can't get to them because they're up there on this hill. The king said to them, he said, I'll tell you what, whoever, whatever, whatever soldier, whichever one of you figures out how to get up on the hill, I'll give you a big reward. And so it happens one day, the soldier was standing at the foot of the hill, and he looked up as he normally was watching, he saw this guard up there. And the guard at the top had this helmet on. And he went to put his helmet, he dropped the helmet, and guess what? It rolled down, <laughs> and this guy standing on the ground is watching it. And all of a sudden, the soldier on top starts working his way down this little crooked path. And the guy on the ground said, there's how we'll get him. They were resting in the mountain. They were resting in the things that, that they had seen and that they, that they lived in. They thought they were untouchable. I'm glad we're not like that today, that we put our faith in things that are touchable. You see where this is going? Yeah, so here's what happens. They're up there sleeping and resting. And this soldier figures a way to get to the top of this mountain, and they overthrow him. The church of Sardis was so secure but this thing that happened to them being overthrown didn't happen once in history. It happened three times over the course of history where they were overthrown. So they understood what it was like to have false hope in something false. But yet the church had become a dead church. And so when we look at this, we think, well, what's the lesson for us today? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, churches are closing today at an alarming rate. They're closing, in a, and it breaks my heart. You drive into some of the big cities, and even our city, northern Kentucky, and you go over into Cincinnati, and you see these churches, and they're turning them into apartment buildings and, and all kinds of different things. And, and it's, it's interesting to see what's happening because these beautiful things 
these churches, these works of architecture are just sitting there empty. But here's the thing. They get this warning about this situation in the church. And he writes to them. And let's go back. Let's look at this. Here's how we can avoid this and learn some lessons maybe for us today. This is the message from the one who was, who has the sevenfold spirit of God and has the seven churches. He uses a little different phrasing in this one than he does one of the other churches that we've studied. It's more mystical. He's saying to this church specifically, I can discern the climate of your hearts. God knows our hearts, doesn't he? He knows our thoughts. See, the problem with this church wasn't they were worshiping pagan things. They, their problem was they had no problem. They were comfortable. You know, with every blessing, we have to be careful. Because when you're blessed, you're responsible for more. And so here they are setting up their comfortable, and the next thing you know, they've kind of left God out of the picture, and they're just going through the motions. Verse 1, he goes on to say, I know all the things you do and what you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. What does a spiritually dead church look like? Now, when I was growing up, you know, I grew up in the, in the 60s, in the 70s, and part of the 50s. And I remember you'd go to a church back in the day, and if, if they didn't shout and jump and run over the pews, you'd walk out of there and people say, that's a dead church. I'm going to tell you something. Some of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life was in a quiet setting of worship. When God spoke to me in a still, small voice. A spiritual church is a church that is outward serving, not inward serving. And that's what the gospel message is. I read a, a book, I was read a, reading a book about church growth, and he was giving some, some thoughts, and, and he made this point about steps that a church goes through. And he says, here's what happens in many cases sometimes, not always, but sometimes. First, the Holy Spirit moves on the scene, and a movement begins. Yeah, I've been a part of those, it's pretty cool. Then it turns into an organization, and a culture is created. And if it survives longer than a generation, it becomes an institution. There's nothing wrong with institutions, but you've got to stay focused on what you're doing. And so here's what happens in some cases after they become an institution, they stop pushing forward and it becomes a museum with no passion and no life. And if we're not careful, it becomes a monument to the past. Can I get an amen? There's nothing wrong with our past. Joshua said, he set these stones up and he said, I want these to stay here. I want them to remember when they come through here what this was. Moses told him, told Joshua that they set them up. Look at our past. Remember our past. And when we have a strong heritage, we're 175 years old, and I thank God for what he's done on this campus and what he's continuing to do. But if we're not careful as a church, sometimes it becomes more like a fortress with walls around it, when really the church should be a posse. Instead of holding everything in and, and, and inward serving, we should be going out. And so when we read this, have you ever noticed that a fortress has big walls to protect what's inside? They have kind of a military sense of order. They have their own little economy. And people within the fort never have to venture out into the relatively unsafe ter territory. You ever seen a church like that? A posse, on the other hand, is outward focused and has a clear mission to go around and round up people. And that's what Jesus taught. That's what he said. That's what he said to these New Testament churches. The word church is ecclesia, and you know what that is? It's a movement, and it's in constant motion. And the church was established by Jesus, and he said the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Wow. 
so we have to, as a church, continue to remember that it's our mission to go into the world and preach the gospel. That's what he said to do. And this church had gotten comfortable with sitting there and just being happy. That's what they were doing. Don't get me wrong. We want a legacy. We have a legacy, and it's beautiful. We just celebrate 175 years. We look at pictures, and it was awesome. We celebrate the generations of traditions, but we, we want the next generation. We want to hand something to them that reaches people, something they know how to live by faith, not something that's dead, something that's moving, something that's alive. Now, i got to tell you, I don't like change, and I suspect if we were honest, most of us don't like change. I live with a woman that loves to change things in our house, especially the kitchen. Sometimes I feel like I'm, where's Waldo when I try to find a fork? Change. We don't like change, do we? You ever notice, though, that things that are alive, they change. They change. If it's living, it changes. There's nothing wrong with change, but the important thing is that we keep Jesus in the middle of the change. And that we don't just change to be changing. Somebody asked me, said, what's your model of your church that you're using? Is it, and they named some names. I said, listen, God didn't call us to be those other places. He called us to be Burlington Baptist Church right here where we are to use the gifts and the graces that we have to reach the people in our community. And by the way, there's a lot of them. But God's for us who can be against us. Change is difficult sometimes. Jesus is giving this message and he's telling them, that they've lost what's going on and that they're dead. But this message, you know, <laughs> what he's telling them is, you know what doesn't change? I'll tell you what doesn't change, something that's dead. It doesn't change. Something with life is moving. And so God is speaking to these guys. And what has God called us to do? As individuals, we should seek where we fit into the program of change in our church as we go forward. And God will bless us. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw people to me. Let me tell you something. That's a fact. We're seeing that happen in this church. Do you realize that over the past 18 months, over 30-something people have been baptized? That's God. That's what God's doing. And that's what he said he would do, is he would be lifted up. He said he would draw people to him. Now watch this next part. Verse 2, it says, wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Wow. That phrase, wake up. They knew what that word meant because when those soldiers crawled up that hill and came into them, do you think they did it in the middle of the day? I don't think so. They probably came up in the middle of the night and that's how they woke up. Wake up. They understood that concept of those two words, wake up. The best advice for Christians is to keep preaching the gospel and to keep sharing what Christ has given us. The strength that we have is in him, not in ourselves. In your walk, maybe you're strong in worship. He's saying, wake up. Maybe you're strong in worship. Then be a worshiper. Maybe you're strong in, in sharing your time. Share. Maybe God's blessed you financially and you share that. Share it. We don't start with something that's dying and build from there. Start with something that's alive. And when we start with Jesus, there's hope. I think sometimes in our country here, we have it so easy. Do you ever realize we're sitting here today? in this beautiful sanctuary that's almost finished with construction. Comfortable. Climate controlled. Padded seats. Lights. 
able to sit, not to worry about anything, not to worry about what's going on. Do you know there are people in other countries that are taking this and tearing the pages off and passing them around because if they get caught, they'll be executed. But they're passing them around page at a time to share the gospel. God, help us that we'll never get so comfortable that we forget. Go back to what we believe. Last uh, fall or sometime in the fall, I think it was, I preached the thing back to the basics. And he's telling this church to go back to the basics is what he's saying. Go back to what you first believed. The best advice for Christians is to keep preaching the gospel and preach it to ourselves. We need to be reminded. When we think about the one who died for our sins, who gave his life for us, for all mankind, and we apply that to our life, it will change the way we think. You know, here's the truth. Following God isn't always easy. It'll stretch you. It'll challenge you. But I want to tell you something. In my 59 years of life, what I have found is that it will bring you the most fulfillment in life. It's like we all have that God-shaped hole in our hearts, and God's the only thing that can fill that. He says, wake up. And watch this. He says next, he says, I will come to you like a thief in the night. I don't know. Anybody here ever have a thief in the, come in at the night? You ever been woke up with a thief in the night? My parents owned a country store like Rabbit Hash. After my father passed away, I was at visiting my mother, and, and the store set here in the house was here. And my mother had this little in, intercom system, and she put it in the store. And at night when she'd leave, she'd push the, the, the talk button. And she had the other one in the bedroom, in her bedroom and had it next to her bed. And so we closed the store one night. I was down there, and I went to bed. And, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, she comes in and goes, wake up. Somebody's in the store. I'm like, let them have it. No, man, I don't want to go. You know what I mean? It was like shock. So I get up, and, and my mother's walking in front of me, and I'm like, well, who's supposed to be? I should be in the front probably, you know. <laughs> a thief coming in the night. I mean, that's like a shocker, you know. And, and what it was, somebody came in the store that day. There were three doors or entrances, I think four, four total. And all those doors had locks on the inside that you couldn't open but one. This person came in the store and dropped a window earlier in the day and then came back that night, crawled through the window, got in there. And so when we were walking out there, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Please protect us, our Father, art in heaven. I'm going through all of them, you know what I mean? And I walk up, and I start banging on the side of the door. I'm like, here we are, here we are. And the one door that you couldn't get out of had an alarm on it, and I didn't go to that door because I knew that was the door they were going to come out of, whoever they were, whatever they were. You know, I didn't know what was, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was 20. I didn't know if it was one. And we go around the side of the building, and all of a sudden the door, the alarm goes off. We hear this alarm, and, and so we know it's the other door. So I said, Mom, let's go slowly. Like a thief in the night. We walked around, nothing there but the door open. The point is, it was a shock. It was a shock to my system. I didn't sleep for three days. Oh, yeah, and then when the sheriff arrived, he had these big German shepherds. Those are cool. He turns them loose, and they go in the store. I said, before you turn them dogs loose, loose, I want you to know I've been walking around in there, so don't let them come after me. You know what I mean? Walked outside, and he turned the dog loose, and he went right on the trail, and they, they found the people. But my point is this. When something happens sudden like that, it'll rock your world, so to speak, as a thief in the night. And he's warning them. He's talking to them about that because they have this complacency, because they've been living on this hill, because they've been living in comfort. Now, the story is I'll come like a thief in the night, and here's the fact. If he's telling these people in this time frame, 
If he's sharing with them that the end is coming, how much closer do you think we are? 2,000 years. <laughs> I heard a preacher say, the Bible says a 1,000, we're about two days in. Well, I don't know about that. You know what, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't come before the end of the day. But we need to be ready, just like they were told to be ready. Church that was dead. Now, you won't read this in the Bible, but I did some research on the church at Sardis and found something very interesting. The Apostle Paul went over there and trained these folks. He trained Clement, was his guy's name, and he was one of the first pastors. And Clement was trained to this gentleman named Melito, and he became the second pastor. And here's what I want you to get. The church that was on top of that hill that was dead in a hammer became a church that survived for over a 1,000 years, and it also sprung off 27 churches in the area. It can be done. It can be done. A church that was dead came to life. See, he goes on to say in verse 4, There are some in this church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil, but they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now, i got to tell you, I don't know when you've seen anybody the last time walking around with a white robe on in a parade, but that's not something you see a lot in our world, right? And as I read this, I was thinking, what does that mean? Here's the deal. When you look at their culture in Rome, whenever they won, won something, an event or whatever, they dressed in white. They wore these togas, and they paraded, and they were celebrating. And here's what he's telling them, dead church, he's saying to them. If you come around and you repent, you will walk in the victory parade with Jesus in heaven. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would be like? He goes on to say, that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow in, in the book of Isaiah. That the blood saves us. And in the Roman culture, they understood this. And he says to this, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. And I will never erase their names from the book of life. But will announce them before my father and his angels that they are mine. What a beautiful thought that God will call our names. They understood this register thing because in Rome, everybody was a registry. And sometimes when they were executed or they did something wrong, they would blot their names out of, the, out of the book. But here's the beautiful part of this. He's telling them it's not just never, but it's never, ever, never, ever will I take your name away. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I was telling them about God's grace and what a beautiful thing it is. And, and I said, you know, there was a thief on the cross. There's two of them. One of them said, hey, get us off of here. Take us if you're who you say you are. And the other one said, forgive me. And you know what he said to him? He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. This person I was talking to yesterday said, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I said, it's not. That is called grace. And aren't you grateful for that today? Somebody say amen. Aren't you grateful for God's grace in our lives? And the beautiful part of this is that he says, if we repent, that word's been coming up a lot in these seven churches, repent. What does that mean? And I'll say it again. That doesn't mean that we just repent that we got caught. That means we repent and we're truly sorry. And we say, God, forgive me. And we turn and we go the other way. It means to do a turn, completely turn from the way you were going. Paul wrote, or John wrote these letters. Jesus gave them to him because they were letters of love. He's letting them know that he loves them. And that's why he wrote these letters. As Christians, it's not always going to be easy and the world may reject you. The world may persecute you. But we have hope that one day we will gather together in his presence. In World War II, in a POW camp, there were prisoners, and they had received word through the underground that the war was over. 
They were still in the prison. They'd received word that the war was over and that the Germans were about to surrender. And it was told to them three days before it happened. It was told three days before they were liberated. You know what happened? They said these guys, they found out what was going to happen. They knew they were going to be released. They started smiling at the, at the guards and the, and the German dogs that went by, and, and their whole attitudes changed. Do you know why? Because they knew that this was not all there was. They knew that a better day was coming. I want to tell you this. Here's what I want to tell you. This isn't all there is. And because of what Jesus did, we have hope. And we have hope. And that we don't have to be dead. That our spiritual world that we can be in and serving the Lord can be alive and something that we can share with the world. The situation hadn't changed for those soldiers, but their attitude did. And when you know how things are going to turn out, it changes the way you see things. Perhaps that's why he mentions to them walking in harmony. And then he reminds them of this. Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. I pray God speaks to you today. And I pray God reveals to you what his will is in your life. And I pray God helps all of us as we go through changes of our lives and our spiritual walk. That God gives us grace. That we can continue to see what we saw today. People coming to Jesus. 68% of the population in our county don't attend church. think the fields aren't white under harvest? I don't want to be a dead church. I don't want people to look at us and say, that's a walled fortress up there. I want people to say, that's a posse up there. You better watch it. They're out. They're getting people. They want you to come to their church. Are you with me? Amen? I pray that God gives us grace today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for this scripture. Thank you, God, for all the blessings that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you use the message to speak to our hearts, to quicken our hearts, and to help us recognize that we do have a mission, and that mission is to serve you and to reach our community and lift you up, Father, that you would be edified in this community, in this church, and around the world. I thank you, God, for this church that serves you, and that we are growing, and that we're going forward, and I thank you for that, God, because it's through your grace that we do that. Lord, as we enter this time of commitment, I pray, God, that you move in our hearts, that we would be encouraged, that those who have burdens would lay them down, those who need to repent would repent, and Father God, that we would follow you in the ways that you would have us to go. We love you and we thank you. Have your way in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This is our time of invitation. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to pray, somebody pray with you, we'd be happy to do that pray right where you are as well. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christ follower and you want to celebrate partaking of the Lord's Supper. Do we have it available on both sides? Would you just bow and